SEN America, this is the SEN MLB Podcast. Hi everybody and welcome to the show. Of course, getting right down to the uh, pointy end of the season now with the playoffs just around the corner. They're just about all set, but joining me here behind the mic today, no JC hasn't made it. Uh, unforeseen circumstances, don't know why, but joining me behind the mic is Xavier Play. Xavier, welcome. Frida, thank you very much. It's uh, nice to be behind the mic today. It's a bit of a different role, but why not? A bit of everything. And Slightly different. Just want to expand on something we talked about last week where sure. J- JC yeah. talked about the amount of bro- Brownlow votes that the two of you have put together. Yeah, Probably yeah. a good time to add that the two of us have none. We, we absolutely have none. <laughs> so just for anyone who might have been concerned last week that Fritter's played a couple of games of AFL football or that I might have, no. Nothing to worry about there. Absolutely none. And there's not an athlete in this studio right now. Mate, we're getting down to it, as I said off the top there, we're getting uh, we're going to go to American League East to start with now. And of course, Toronto Blue Jays have now locked away a playoff spot, along with the New York Yankees, who just this week, sadly for you, your team, the Boston Red Sox, did their very best, were but were unable to stop the Yankees from winning their ten thousandth game all time. When you look at the Blue Jays season and the Yankees season and the Red Sox season in individual parts, you're right. The Red Sox were doing everything they could, but it was was inevitably like trying to stop a boulder rolling down a hill. Yeah, you know, the Yankees are formidable, but what they are, they're not the first team to win 10,000 games. I'm pretty sure San Francisco Giants has won, as a franchise, it has won 10,000 games. Of course, came across from New York Giants, moved across to the West Coast and became the San Francisco Giants. I'm pretty sure the Philadelphia Phillies is another organization with 10,000 wins. I think the Phillies are likely to be the next one to 10,000 wins. I think I saw somewhere they have about 9,500. The Red Sox have about 9,200. Something else I saw was that St. Louis as an entire franchise, including their time as the Browns, have 10,000 wins, but Major League Baseball don't include records from the American Association, so they are under 10,000 wins, despite as a whole having over 10,000 wins. Right. A little bit technical. A little bit technical, and I guess if that's the rule that Major League Baseball goes by, then that's what we have to take as gospel in this situation. Absolutely. That's that's the way it goes. But uh, again, just touching back, uh, American League East, Toronto Blue Jays, have locked away a playoff spot. New York Yankees have also locked away a a playoff spot. The rest of the teams really don't matter this time of year. They're just playing out the season, which is Tampa Bay, Boston Red Sox, and the Baltimore Orioles. Moving to the American League Central, Kansas City Royals, the most hated by the great JC here, does not particularly like them, but they have locked away a playoff spot. And this is still a, a wild card up for grabs here in this particular league, Minnesota Twins are still a part of it, um, but Kansas City Royals have uh, locked away a playoff spot themselves. They have. Not particularly surprising when you look at the form they ran into late last year. Their long playoff run, run last year captured the imagination of the wider baseball community. So yeah. a really good performance from them to back that up. The surprise here for me, and we just talked about it with the wild card, is the Twins. I said on another podcast at the start of the year that the Twins were going to finish last. I made several apologies to Twins fans for saying that, but their roster at the start of the year didn't look like it was good enough to compete, and boy, have I been proven wrong. Yeah, and and another sort of interesting side note that we'll we'll get to as it goes along, if the Minnesota Twins 
were to make it into the playoffs, changing tact for a sec to the ABL, does that delay the uh, appearance of Joe Vavra to Australian shores and how much of a hindrance will that be with only under now, under three weeks to go with the start of the ABL season? I think it definitely has to uh, impact when he's getting here. And I think that the people in control at the Melbourne Aces, Justin Huber, Chris Dillaplant, would have a plan in, a plan in place yeah. should that happen. They will have a backup manager in place for the first few weeks of the season. Of course. And, of course, it's the uh, American League Central. It's the first time in 30 years that the Kansas City Royals have taken that that uh, particular division moving to the American League West. Texas Rangers have locked away a playoff spot, but again, the Houston Astros and the LA Angels. Are, I, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, is it, it's three or four teams are still battling for that one last wild card spot in the American League. The Yankees and Houston are in control of that American League wildcard spot at the moment, but both the LA Angels and Minnesota are within a game. We're now in the last series of the season. Is, bit, is there three to go? Two or three games three to go? Three games for most clubs to go. Yeah. We're in the last series of the season. We're looking at potential game 163s, potential tiebreakers going into the wildcard game. Playoff baseball, even though it hasn't officially started, is already here. Yeah. Every game is must win for every club. And, of course, they're setting their lineups. The teams that are locked away for a playoff spot, the uh, managers will be setting their pitching staffs, their rotations up for going into that playoffs, which uh, I believe gets underway probably about Tuesday, the 6 or 7. They've still got wild card games to go. Yep, the wild card games are Tuesday and Wednesday in America, and then I believe division series start roughly this time next week. Now, there is one thing I wanted to touch on which sure. is the Cincinnati Reds, who for a few seasons have been thereabouts. At the moment, they have a record of 63-96, and 96, and it is confirmed they are going to run last in the National League Central, which I think comes as a, a surprise to a lot of people. The top end of the National League Central, you've got three teams who all would have won a division if they'd been in different divisions. But with the Cincinnati Reds finishing last, it means that since 1984, every franchise across the NBA, NFL, NHL and Major League Baseball has finished last in their division at some point in that 31-year period. Wow. How did you get your head around that? Do you research this wacky stuff? This was something I just came across. I didn't research this one myself. I do like researching wacky stuff, but this was one that I just happened to fall across. Yeah. So that to me displays, okay, every team's had their good runs, every team's had their bad runs, every team's finished last in their division. Yeah. And this is something in Major League Baseball in particular that needs to be applauded. It's such an even competition at the moment. Yeah. We're not seeing the dominant teams such as the Yankees that we were at the start of the 2000s, the late 90s. We're not seeing the Cardinals that we saw at the start of this decade. We're seeing a competition where anyone can win on any day. Yeah, right. Interesting stuff. Interesting. We're getting to that National League now. And uh, we'll start off at National League East. We'll get to that Central in a moment. But National League East, the New York Mets have... Uh, They've won that division, nice for them, first since 2006 and the fifth in uh, in history for the New York Mets. They've been, I don't want to say losers, but they've been down the bottom part of, of that particular division over the journey for a number of years now, but tremendous to see them take out that uh, National League East. And a big, a big play during the week was... Um, 
Yunus Cespedes actually got hit on the hand. Uh, they did take him away for x-rays. Turned out there was no breaks. But uh, Cespedes, really important part of the New York Mets setup going into this playoffs. Definitely. When I looked at the Mets at the start of the year, I projected them to be where they are now. I projected that for this time next year. I yep. didn't think that this was going to be a 2015 thing for the Mets. Yep. So to see them win that division against what was a highly favoured Washington Nationals team is really good, not only for this season, but for the longer-term development. They've got one of the best bullpens across the league. Yep. They're in a situation where they can really build something, not only through the middle of this decade, but moving towards the end. They've got a good couple of... They've got a good handful of prospects still coming through. If I'm a Mets fan, I'm sitting at home going, okay, we might not win it this year, but we're in a better spot than we have been in a long, long time. That in itself should be enough to keep the positive feelings there. And just on the Nationals, a very weird incident this week. Hang on, we was just going to stick with the Mets. Get into that. Get into that. Get into that. Just relax, mate. Yep. Just relax. Good, good. Take it easy. But I'm sticking with the Mets. And there was a, I did read an article about the Mets because their second half of the year has been phenomenal since Cespedes has come along, really added a spark. And it was a, a couple of different things that have really added to the New York Mets and really... Um, since this second half, and and they reckon it all started back with Wilma Flores. Remember that name, Wilma Flores? We did talk about it on the show a number of weeks ago now, but Wilma Flores, the big baby, crying out there in left field. But just talk us through, do you, do you remember what happened back in that incident? I do. Social media was a buzz with rumours, confirmation, non-rumours, facts, innuendo that Wilma Flores was going to be traded. Word somehow got to the dugout during the game and Wilma Flores came out to what he thought was going to be his last at bat in tears. Yeah. He signed with the Mets as a kid. He's been there for nine years. The Mets are his family. He's, you know, in the States away from his 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 actual family. Yeah. He's built up so many relationships within that organization. He was distraught at yeah. the thought of being somewhere else. Turns out he's not traded later that night. Terry Collins says, you can't believe what you see on social media. I'm the manager. He only gets traded. If I say he gets traded, if I don't say he gets traded, he's in the game. Yeah. That's why I kept him in the game. And the cap for me to this story was the fact that next night, Wilma hit a walk-off home run. That's right. He did. Yep. That for me was the icing on the cake. And this is one of the stories of the season for mine, purely because it shows the emotion involved in the game and how little things can turn a season around. Absolutely. That's what that, uh, it was, uh, what was it, five different things, I think it said. I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but they said that the Wilma Flores things was a uh, a galvanizing thing within the unit of the, the New York Mets. Uh, then Cespedes come along and his performance was phenomenal in helping that team. And even uh, DeGrom, um, his, his pitching and his hitting, I mean, he, he went two for three uh, during the week. He's, he's pitching and he's hitting. That team has really galvanised and, as I said, locked down that playoffs. But now we can get to your little national story. Boy, it is a team that Im- imploded. Come time at the All-Star game, they were phenomenal. They were looking really good. But just walk us through what actually happened this particular week. Well, we talk about galvanising, and I don't think there's been a much more galvanising story this week. So Jonathan Papelbon, who's the closer for the Nationals, he's in there to do a very specific job, get your three outs, get the win, come back tomorrow, do the same thing. I'll just butt in and say, I think he's the closer for about three more games. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be anywhere at the start of the 2016 season. I think he might have run his race. So 
Bryce Harper, according to Papelbon, uh, wasn't particularly uh, running out fly balls and, and things like that. Not hustling, I think, was the phrase. He, he this is when he's hitting. When yeah, he's hitting, when he's hitting. He hits the ball. He hits he, the fly ball. He knows he's going to be out, so he just jogs through it. Not, not enough hustle, and hustle is an important thing. But Papelbon took issue with this to the point where he and Bryce Harper, who is one of the best young players in the game, and right. probably a future Hall of Famer. National League MVP. He took a problem with this to the point where he uh, choked Bryce Harper. Yeah, it came, came, came to blows in the dugout. The rest of the team had to jump in and, and separate them. But the moment um, you could see it on the replay, if you haven't seen it, you can check it out on Twitter, Facebook. It's all over the place. But Bryce Harper sort of got to the bag and turned and was walking to the dugout. Papelbomb started on him straight away and started mouthing off. Uh, they got into the dugout and they, they exchanged words. The the exact content was uh, never revealed, but they exchanged words and Papelbaum went for Harper, got him by the throat. And as I said, the rest of the team had to separate them. But interestingly, which is adding to my comment of he's there for three more games, within 30 minutes of this incident, the uh, Papelbaum's uniforms were taken out of the merchandise stores at Met Stadium. So that is the clubs telling you what's about to happen, and another one that was, and then the club suspended him for four games for that particular incident. But prior to that, just earlier mid month, he got suspended for three games for throwing intentionally at Manny Machado from the Baltimore Orioles. So Jonathan Papelbon has turned out. I'll call him the modern day John Rocker. He's not doing a John Rocker in the racist comments, but just seems to be a little bit disruptive within the clubhouse. And if you've got a a team that is seriously pushing uh, and hoping to get into playoffs, you've got good young players like a Strasbourg coming along. And and as I mentioned, Bryce Harper, who's a serious contender for National League MVP this year. He's been phenomenal this year for that team. I think Jonathan Papelbaum might be on uh, his last legs there with the Nationals. Time will tell, but um, getting back to the playoff sort of setup, New York Mets have that one locked away. Washington Nationals have uh, imploded since the All Star game due to the disruptive content of Jonathan Papelbaum. Moving now to the Central, the all conquering St. Louis Cardinals. They got to their 100 wins. Terrific performance. Still got a couple of games to go, but they're locked away. Pittsburgh Pirates are locked away, and the Chicago Cubs are also locked away for playoff berths. And uh, we have mentioned over the last couple of weeks, if Pittsburgh and the Cubs were in any other division, they're leading that division. So, you know, but a a really tough one, that that, uh, National League Central there. But St. Louis, Pittsburgh, and the Chicago Cubs locked away. Milwaukee and Cincinnati stink, so it doesn't matter with them. And the National League... West was the LA Dodgers. Uh, they ended up winning their division. Terrific performance by the Dodgers. Uh, they're at 89 wins. And San Francisco Giants, they're out of it. Uh, the wild card spots, as we mentioned, the American League, it's down to these four teams. The NL wild cards are locked away with the Chicago Cubs. They'll be playing at Pittsburgh against the Pittsburgh Pirates. But the American League wildcard is still going it's going to go right down to the wire and probably won't be decided till the very last game of the season, which will be Monday morning or Tuesday morning our time. 
I think, uh, or Sunday night. Monday morning our time, I believe, the last game of the season is. Will be Sunday night over there in the US. But uh, the team's uh, Yankees are locked away. But that, that American League wild card is going to go down to Houston, the Los Angeles Angels, and the Minnesota Twins, who've really come with a wet sail in this uh, last part of the year, going to go down to the wire. Who's your tip for that last American League wildcard spot? I'm going to say that Houston hold on. They've been too good all season. Yep. And they've come from a place where they've got so much to prove that I think they just hold on. They probably lose the wildcard game, but they hold on. And I think that would be a fantastic effort to make the playoffs, given that they've lost 100 games three out of the last four seasons. Now, just before we move on, I know we're chatting with Scott Nealis very soon. Yep. There's one interesting story I want to talk about. Sure. The name's Steve Bartman. If you're a Major League Baseball fan, you know Steve Bartman. Yep. The man, the catch, the Cubs implosion in 2003, the continuation of the curse of the Billy Goat. Somebody has started a Kickstarter, which is an online fundraising account, to try and get Steve Bartman to the National League wildcard game in Pittsburgh, where the Cubs will play the Pirates. Yep. Good move, bad move, otherwise. Well, throwing it at me just now, off the cuff, I would think... Now, this this guy has been alienated by the world, uh, especially baseball circles. They, they've done documentaries, and he has turned somewhat hermit. He's He kind of fell off the face of the earth. There were death threats against this young fella, uh, just to sort of tell the story. The Cubs were in a winning position back in the day, long time ago now, and a foul ball went right down to the left field line. Moises Alou was the left fielder going over to try and catch the ball, and young a young Steve Bartman does what every other baseball fan does, and it happens a hundred times a game, just hang over the fence to try and catch that foul ball. He ended up disrupting Moises Alou's attempt to catch the ball. Thus, the ball landed... Uh, in foul territory, foul ball, let's all go back and play again. The game continues, the Cubs lose the game, and Steve Bartman is alienated by the rest of the country for what he did. And as I say, death threats, and then, then went into a sort of a hermit lifestyle. Personally, I, I, do, I think it was absolutely unfair the way that Steve Bartman was treated, but that is the nature of big-time sport, and you've got to blame somebody. I like the idea of them throwing an olive branch out to him and possibly, you know, getting him back involved in baseball. This poor guy, you know, as I say, got alienated. And maybe they're setting it up for Steve Bartman Take Two, the next documentary, the next chapter in his life. What do you think? I think that everything you've said is spot on. It's it's horrible to see what happened. If it was to happen during a regular season game, say it happens in game 36 of the season. Yeah, fan interferes with a foul ball, whatever, it happens. Not a huge deal because on we go. But I would like to see the club, the Cubs as an organization reach out to Bartman and say, you know, you are not responsible for what happened. Yeah. We know that you're not responsible for what happened. Let's move on. So you're saying you would prefer it if the actual Cubs as an organization, or let's even expand it for even Major League Baseball, would it throw the olive branch rather than a sort of an online, somebody set up an online, what do they call it, Kickstarter? Definitely, because that shows from a higher level, we are acknowledging that you were not responsible for what happened. The Cubs lost that game because they committed error after error. Short stops, booting the ball. They had a three-run lead in the eighth inning. They had five outs to go to get to the World Series, and they 
couldn't do it. Yeah. That's not his responsibility. That happens on the field. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Interesting to see where that one pans out. But, of course, the Cubs have a long way to go in the playoffs, uh, whether they actually just get in there for uh, wildcard games and or uh, divisions, championships, or whatever it may be. But interesting to keep an eye on that for Steve Bartman possibly getting into Pittsburgh. Um, a couple other, we're done all with the playoffs right there. A couple other little points that I just wanted to uh, touch on. The American League Player of the Week went to Kevin Pillar. Uh, he had a terrific week, uh, hit four, five twenty-four for the week, five doubles and, and had five steals. The National League Player of the Week went to Jake Arrieta from the Cubs. Terrific performance. He went 2-0, and over 16 innings pitched with 20 strikeouts. That's the American League and National League Players of the Week. And another interesting one that did happen during the week, I'm going to keep an eye on this. This is hashtag let him in. Pete Rose had a meeting, him and his representatives, I will say, had a meeting with Major League Baseball Commissioner's Office during the week about his reinstatement back into Major League Baseball. Uh, both parties have they had their meeting and they have now, uh, the commissioner is Rob Manfred, is going to consider uh, Pete Rose's situation and it will be... Uh, he said a decision won't be made until the end of the year and both parties have refrained to comment at this particular point, but hashtag let him in. Pete Rose is after reinstatement back into Major League Baseball. Rose is a long debate and we could be here for hours talking about that, but a quick one on Jake Arrieta before we go to the break. Since July 12, he has allowed two home runs yep. and hit two home runs. Yeah, right. So I think that's a sign that at the moment he is the best pitcher in the National League, and I think he is a deserved Cy Young winner. Absolutely. He's, his numbers are phenomenal. He's at 20, 21 wins now. Uh, he's been terrific. And when you do that, if you if you give up two home runs and knock in two yourself, doesn't that balance out and gives you an ERA and nothing? I think that does. Shouldn't m- they do that? I think that does more than balance out any time a pitcher's hitting two home runs in a season. And the last one, just before we go to the break, we're uh, going to have a chat with uh, Scott Nealis over in Toronto in a moment from Home Run Sports. Go to homerunsports.com. But just before that, uh, Major League Baseball, more importantly, the Oakland A's have hired their first female as a, a coach slash instructor in professional baseball. Uh, Justin Siegel is her name. She's uh, a long time. She was the first female to throw batting press batting practice uh, to Major League players and a great move by the Oakland A's in hiring the first female coach in Major League Baseball. That's all we've got for the uh, Major League report right now, but coming up after the break will be Scott Nealis in in Toronto. Selex Recoding Service specialise in electrostatic painting where our fully trained staff and state-of-the-art equipment enables projects of any size to be coated either on-site or in our well-equipped Bayside facility. Selex Recoating Service offers a professional powder coating service and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Selex Recoating Service offers a professional powder coating service and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Selex Recoating Service also offers anti-graffiti coating, sandblasting and metal fabrication of refrigerator components and parts. For more information, go to info at selexrecoatingservice.com.au 
or call 9788-4000. And welcome to the show, Scott. Uh, You're up there, of course, in Toronto. The Blue Jays have finally locked in a spot, winning the American League East. First time since 1993. How's the buzz around the city with the uh, Blue Jays locking down a playoff spot? Well, the the buzz is is outstanding. I mean, there was never any doubt that they were going to get in, but until you actually do it and grab that East title, uh, it it was exciting. It was one of those things that you saw right across the land uh, became sort of a where were you when the Jays clinched in 2015. So uh, it happened around uh, supper time. At dinner time, 6 o'clock p.m., so everybody had raced. The kids had raced home from school. People had gotten home from work. It was the first game with the doubleheader, so everybody got a chance to take it in, and, and you could just feel the buzz right across the land. Scott, there seems to be a big vibe from Blue Jays fans of not only a sense of relief, but also that this washes away the 22 years of disappointment since the last playoff appearance. Do you think that that's an accurate reflection of where things stand uh, at the moment? Know. Yeah, I don't know if it truly erases anything. I think one of the the big buzz is going on now is that uh, this team is pretty special and, and they're no doubt very strong. Uh, I, I get the impression that if you don't do well in the playoffs, the whole making the playoffs is great. And yes, you do have that uh, monkey off your back that it was the longest professional franchise without a playoff appearance. Uh, but until you've actually really accomplished uh, the big prize, and I'm sure the players will tell you the same thing, they're not in this to win the American League in East. They're in this to win the World Series. And I think that's really that's going to be the cure-all that might make you forget 20 couple, 22 years. Um, with the, with uh, I did read during the week that David Price was going to miss his next start in lining himself up for the, the first playoff start. Do, do you, is that a regular thing where managers, now that you've locked down a playoff spot, does he start lining his pitching up for going into the playoffs? Yeah, most definitely. You want to make sure that your your one two guys are as healthy and ready to go as possible. And and David Price has thrown a lot over the last month. He's had part of it because of his success. He's gone deep into ball games. And his last outing against Tampa wasn't his best outing. He gave up a few runs and uh, threw a lot of pitches. So it was one of those situations where uh, he was set to start. Uh, I believe tomorrow. Uh, instead, what they did is they threw him in a simulated game today. So basically, Tulowitzki was taking live BP in a seven-inning simulated game against David Price today. So in a sense, he got his innings in, uh, but it just wasn't in the situation. Our game situation, per se, is more just against his own players. Keeping on David Price for a second, he's got a reputation of getting it done when he needs to in crunch situations. How big a factor do you think that's going to be on a roster where a lot of the guys don't have that big game experience? Well, anytime you get a number one ace uh, uh, like a David Price, there's a confidence factor. You, you've got this guy going out. One of the biggest things uh, to David Price's credit since he's come over to Toronto is I believe he's got seven wins or six or seven wins since. Uh, he's, gone, he's gone eight and one, Scotty, in, uh, eight, just, just yeah, to update. Yeah, one, but but four of those wins were after a Blue Jay loss. Uh, so that, that speaks volumes in that uh, the team had had a rough night a game before, or two games actually there was one time. He's bounced back and got him a win and got him back on the, on the winning track. So that shows you that they're pretty confident in playing good ball behind him. And uh, Xavier, as you mentioned, it's crucial to have your ace on the mound and be successful behind him. Absolutely, and you did briefly touch on uh, Troy Tulowitzki there a moment ago. Uh, it, a really innocuous 
incident that actually cracked a, a bone in his shoulder. Where's he at right now? I did see that he took some um, some some soft batting practice, but uh, where's where's Tulowitzki at right now? Well, Tulowitzki's in the lineup for tonight's game. They're just playing in the top of the first inning, uh, so he'll probably end up batting around the second inning. But uh, he was healthy, ready to go, and uh, he felt very comfortable. And one of the things with the uh, an injury of his nature is it wasn't so much the contact and the play that he had to go through. It was the swings and misses going through the ball as a, as a shoulder blade injury. So uh, over the last few days, uh, he'd been taking some live BP and felt 100%. So fortunately for the Blue Jays, they've got him in the lineup tonight. And when you add him into the lineup, it just makes him that much stronger. I know last week when we spoke with you, we talked about the atmosphere at the Rogers Centre. Now that the playoff berth has been clinched, the AL East has been won, what's the atmosphere like, I guess, across Canada as a whole? Well, it's, it's been really interesting and entertaining uh, in that you're literally uh, turning on the news, the national news, and, and seeing how people are celebrating coast to coast. It's It's something that... Uh, when you say it's sort of a phenomenon, I believe, as you mentioned, it, it does have something to do with the fact that uh, they have gone 22 years. Uh, but one of the biggest things the Blue Jays have done in the last five years in particular is they've started a lot of cross-Canada Blue Jay Academy camps, a variety of clinics that uh, kids and coaches can go to in every single province across Canada. So they've, they've reached out to their fans and the fans have embraced them. And then all of a sudden you throw in this winning uh, team, and it's just the perfect combination to become Canada's team. Moving towards Liam Hendricks for a second, obviously we're a bit biased on this show, but yep. is he getting the recognition that he probably deserves after the season? He's having one of the, the constants throughout his major league career. He's just been he's struggled to find a role where he fits, and it truly looks like he fits in Toronto. I think he's starting to get recognition. It's very hard to get recognition when your team is this stacked. Uh, but as we touched briefly on it last time we spoke, Liam Hendricks gets put in situations that I don't want to say nobody wants because any pitcher who's not in these situations would love to have him. But he's that guy that doesn't get the glamour job, the glory positions, the setup man, the closer. He's a guy that needs to go in to keep you close uh, or to keep a lead at two or three runs, uh, people are starting to recognize just how effective he's been. And I, I think he's uh, he's not flying under the radar, and, and he's had some great successes. Uh, I know he went in yesterday in some really bad weather. And a perfect example of whoever played yesterday, uh, it was because there was about 11 or 12 guys that were definitely not going to see the field. So once again, he gets thrown out there, and uh, it was a... Terrible weather, practically monsoon-like, but they had to get the game in. So uh, a tough outing for him yesterday, but nonetheless, he has been absolutely outstanding. And I think one of the nicest surprises this Blue Jay team uh, has found this year. Uh, when it gets down to the playoffs, do you see, from a uh, specifically from a Blue Jay point of view, do you see it whether the pitching or the offensive side of things is going to be the real key to as deep as they can go in the playoffs this year? Well, I think, as we've seen over the years, uh, for the playing and uh, coaching and, and watching in general, uh, your, your pitching is crucial. Uh, I think one of the things that you'll see is uh, the Jays are loaded with bats. They've got very strong defense, which often doesn't get the credit it deserves. Uh, but your starting pitching is crucial. 
Uh, if you can if you can hang up some zeros early, then it just takes a little bit of the pressure off the bat. The Jays are notorious uh, for either getting off to fast starts in the first inning or getting through the road, uh, getting through the uh, lineup one time, second time around. They're doing well, so fourth or fifth inning. So if you're down four or five runs, it makes it tougher. So starting pitching uh, normally will will determine any team's success in the playoffs. But the Jays can just come at you in so many different ways. They can. They can shut you down with starting pitching. They can put up crooked numbers at any time, and they have great defense. So it just looks like such a strong team that uh, it could be any one of the three facets of the game. The American League East as a whole have won four World Series in the last 11 years with Tampa Bay also making one and losing to Philly in 2008. Is there a sense in Toronto that this is a team who can compete long-term with the Red Sox and the Yankees? The payroll might not be the same, but we're seeing this season in the way they're going about business that they're finding ways to get the job done. Is there a sense that it's sustainable? Well, I think there is a sense that it's sustainable because of the nature of some of key, some of the key players they've traded for and or signed in free agency are on very team-friendly contracts. When they traded for Donaldson, he's locked up for, I want to say, three or four more years. When they signed Martin, I believe they signed him for five years. Tulowitzki's on another three years, I believe. Uh, part of their rotation is intact. So you've got your core players. Uh, the big piece, again, I hate to say it, it, always comes back to price. If you lock up David Price, whoever locks up David Price is bringing in 16 to 20 wins a season. So that's a pretty good man to have. Yeah. Uh, but even if they weren't fortunate to lock up David Price, they have a great foundation to compete for the next few years. So I think that that's part of what's making this so exciting is that the Blue Jays' commitment to these long-term players indicates that, hey, they're in this for the long haul, not just one season. Uh, Scotty, look, we're going to have to wrap it up, mate. The satellite's about to drop out, but uh, good luck to your team. I hope you go all the way. I believe you've got some tickets lined up already for the first oh, yeah, playoff we'll game. Be <laughs> Beautiful, mate. Looking, Gone. Looking forward to it, and uh, like I said, uh, love to talk to you guys uh, whenever you, whenever we can. Yeah, as, as, as deep as you go in the playoffs, mate, we'll be uh, on the phone to you for sure. But Scott Nealis, thanks very much for your time. Thanks to Home Run Sports. Uh, you can get them at homerunsports.com. But uh, thanks for your time this morning, and uh, we'll speak soon, mate. Thanks. Take care, guys. Selix Recoding Service specialise in electrostatic painting, where our fully trained staff and state-of-the-art equipment enable projects of any size to be coated either on-site or in our well-equipped Bayside facility. Selix Recoding Service offers a professional powder coating service and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Selix Recoating Service also offers anti-graffiti coating, sandblasting and metal fabrication of refrigerator components and parts. For more information, go to info at selixrecoatingservice.com.au or call 9788-4000. And welcome back to the show. You're on SEN's MLB podcast. And we're going to have a little blast from the past now. We're going back to an old teammate of mine and a guy who's in town for the AFL Grand Final, James Waddell. Welcome to the show, mate. How are you, mate? I'm going beautifully, mate. Now, I just we'll, we'll get the footy out of the way to start with. You're in town for your beloved West Coast Eagles. How do you think they're going to go today? 
Mate, I, uh, I've flown a long way and <laughs> spent a lot of money to come and watch them play, so I hope they win, mate. Of course, uh, yeah, just to update people, the listeners, you're you now formally from Perth, then you mm-hmm. stopped, stopped over in Melbourne for a year or two and just took a couple of championships with you, and now you reside in Denver, is that right? Yes, yes. I was actually, I was in Melbourne for I think, 10 or 11 years, and now I've been in Denver for 11 years, so I've, I'm, I'm a bit removed from Perth, but... You know, home's home and Eagles are my team. And so uh, uh, yeah, I couldn't pass up on the opportunity to come home and catch some footy and catch up with a bunch of mates, uh, which I got to do last night. I'm actually sitting here with Grant Weir, one of our old Monarch mates as well. We're oh, Grant Weary. We're all coming out. We just had a chat. <laughs> we were just on the line to Scott Nealis over in Canada. So it's a, a very, very old school Monarchs feel about today's show. Yeah, I catch up with Scotty every now and then. He gets down into Denver and we uh, we go catch a couple of ball games. And uh, saw him uh, last year with our Monarchs reunion in Vegas. But what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, Frida, so don't ask me any of those questions. Keeping with the feel of the old school Monarchs talk, I was a kid when the old ABL was on. I went to games when I was seven, eight years old. Absolutely loved it. But the interesting point for me is the Monarchs spent some time playing at Witten Oval. What was it like playing at an AFL venue. Yeah, that was different. I mean, for me personally, I mean, I played footy. I played a handful of WAFL games. So that culture of the footy club was, was pretty cool for me. And I think it was part of the success of that Monarchs team um, that we, we kind of carried ourselves a little differently. Oh, oh Freddie, you can... You can <laughs> we had different guys in the team. Too. I'm not going to say nice or, or what, mate. <laughs> but we'll just say at West, Western Suburbs. That should answer a lot. There you go. No, but the footy club atmosphere for me actually was a positive. I think it brought a, a bit of a hardness and a bit of a different approach to the game. We played Australian rules baseball, I guess you could say. Yeah. Do you keep up with it? I did mention that you now live in, in Denver and in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Do, are you able to sort of keep track of this new revamped ABL that we have here supported by Major League Baseball? And and do you see any sort of similarities or differences in the two leagues? Yeah, you know, I try to keep up with it. I keep in touch with Justin Huber, who's now the GM of the Aces. You know, I signed Justin when he was just a little fella. So he's been sort of my connection and conduit to the Australian Baseball League. I A couple of years ago, they played the finals live on uh, ESPN. Um, and that was Perth and the Aces were playing in that game. But... You know, it's 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 probably like anything. If you really want to, you can follow it. Uh, but I tend to follow the MLB, you know, because it's right in front of me every day. But um, I, you tell me what's going on with the ABL, mate. Uh, I wish I could, but nobody tells me anything anymore. So I really have no idea. But uh, being being over there in Denver, as you were, one of the big big trades that really uh, struck a chord with me was Troy Tulowitzki was with, I'm guessing, your Colorado Rockies? Is it your Colorado Rockies? Well, actually, I'm a Mets fan. After working for the Mets for quite a while, I sort of grew an attachment to that yep. team. I have a six-year-old boy. His name's Cooper. And uh, when he was three, I said, Cooper, you get to pick a team, the Rockies or the Mets. Either way, you're going to live a life of disappointment. <laughs> yes. So you choose, buddy. And he picked the Rockies. And it's funny you mentioned the Tulowitzki trade when uh, he was traded. I was talking to a friend on the phone, and my son overheard me say Tulo's traded, and he cried. Oh, really? When he, which was I, I kind of liked that he cried because it meant that he really cared about his team. But yeah, the Rockies. That's uh, 
Yeah, they're a, they're an interesting organisation. They're going to underperform for quite a while, I think. But Charlie Chulawitsky, fantastic, fantastic player, great player to watch. When you think back to the days of the old ABL and some of the crowds that you played in front of Witten Oval, the State Baseball Centre at Eltona, other places around the country, what do you see as the key to getting those crowds in in this format of the ABL? That's probably one yeah. sticking point with this format is that crowd numbers haven't been as high as the people high up in the league would like. Yeah, that's a good question, Xavier. And I, I was... Um out last night, and we had uh, Dean Marnell was with us and Ross Jones and the Moyle brothers, Dean and Michael Moyle from Perthite were over, and we were asking this, we were talking about the same thing, and we sort of jokingly said, bring back the 10, <laughs> because balls would fly out of the ballpark. I don't know if that makes any difference. Yeah, al- alum- aluminium bats. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, truly. I mean, I remember playing in Parry Field in the good old days of Parry Field, you know, Tony Adamson and some of those guys. I mean... I'm sure if you're a pitcher, and <laughs> where he's shaking his head looking at me, yeah. there's no way you'd want to bring the 10 back. But I think that was an element of it. I think uh, we... Yeah, Greg Jelks with 10. Where he's just having shuddery moments thinking about it. But I think the other thing too, Xavier, is that um, you know we are in a day and age now where every kid can follow the MLB a lot easier than they probably could ABL. Just to my point, um, you know, with the internet and so forth, I think when we were playing in the ABL and the the, the period of time in the 90s, it was new, it was really good, and it was the best option that we that fans had. And we, I think we did a good job. The clubs actually did a good job of promoting the game. And then I think it was more difficult for the clubs to promote the game. And the promotion of the game itself rests with the league. Yeah. Um, and that's where maybe the, the disjointedness has come from it. I was expecting you to say the zany characters that were running around in, in the park <laughs> chasing their hats or something like that. Jimmy... <laughs> Well, that, that's another point, too, I feel. You know, I think probably a lot of the players could identify... Uh, sorry, the fans could identify with the players. And as you say, Fredo, the characters, you know, the Diebels and the Clarksons and... Uh, Pinkhead. Guys, yeah, Shannon and guys. People knew those guys and really, really related to those guys. And, and it's not a knock on the current players because I think... I'm sure the current players are, are fantastic ball players. But when you have players playing on teams that are not necessarily from the city... Um, or have any real kind of connection to the team. I think Australian sports fans like that connection. Uh, Jimmy, you mentioned that you're now a Mets fan. Of course, you used to scout and were the scout when uh, when Justin Huber was signed with the New York Mets. They've locked away the uh, uh, National League East yeah. this year. How do you see their fortunes going uh, in, in the playoffs this year? Uh, they are good. They have... The deep pitching stuff, the guy, their starting rotation, and I think is probably as good as there is in the big leagues. And we were just talking about Degrom. Degrom's been phenomenal for the team oh, this year. Mate, yeah. yeah, they um they came out to Denver and uh, had a four game series. I went to every game and they swept the Rockies. Not that that's a big feat in itself, but the pitching is just like Harvey, Degrom, Syndergaard, even Kaline. He's he's having a great season at age, whatever he is. And I think he's already uh, committed to next year as well, has Cologne, yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you, right, if you were him? <laughs> he's, he's got a career high in RBIs this year. He's got four. I know, I know. Oh, but yeah, you know, when you watch teams and you go, oh, things have fallen into place, you sort of, once they made those trades at the deadline with Sassford, I was actually kind of, as much as I like Troy Tulowitzki, I was kind of glad they didn't get him just knowing sort of what happens and sure enough, unfortunately, Tula got hurt again. One of the things we talked about when we were talking about the Mets earlier in the show was the Wilma Flores trade, yeah, as it were. Trade, How yeah. much 
of an influence and an impact do you think that had on how the Mets season has turned out? Yeah, that's a really good point. I I think you a huge part. I mean, I really do. I think um, you know these guys, professional athletes, turn up, play, 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 and they almost get robotic. I imagine, and to watch that kid kind of react like he did, in you, you wouldn't be human on the on the team if you didn't if it didn't affect you in any way. So I feel like it did have a big impact for sure. Uh, Jimmy, just last one before we wrap it up, mate. Of course, as we just mentioned, uh, you're here for the AFL Grand Final today, West Coast Eagles versus Hawthorne Hawks. Who do you think is going to win? Eagles, mate. I think Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I, I knew the answer. I was just going with it, you know. <laughs> I think uh, I'd like to see the Eagles win by about 28 points. <laughs> thank you, great, thank you, James. Appreciate it, mate. Look, uh, thanks very much. Great to catch up with you. I uh, hope you really have a, a terrific day. Enjoy it, and uh, mate, we'll speak soon. And I'll get on yeah. Facebook and stay yeah. in touch. Thanks, Fritter. Great to chat with you, mate. Thanks, Xavier. Just a couple little house cleaning duties. We're going to tidy up just before we finish today's show. Uh, I encourage anybody to go to uh, Twitter. We're going to put it up on our Sen America. Go to at Sen America our Twitter feed, and take a look at the Christopher Lane Memorial that is uh, proposed by Major League Baseball. Uh, A sod hasn't been uh, turned in the development as yet, but there will be a a picture of the image of what it will look like down the track. Uh, You can do that. And also, just a quick mention to the World Baseball Classic Qualifiers, which will be in Sydney next year at the... uh, Olympic ballpark up there in Sydney. They're going to be from February 11 to 14. It's going to be Australia against New Zealand, South Africa and the Philippines. Really big tournament uh, as far as Australian baseball goes. It'll be later on, uh, I think it's in 2017, is the, the World Baseball Classic. Yep, World Baseball Classic will be February, March 2017, as I understand. So because there's so many countries and the qualifiers and all that sort of stuff, 12 months out, it's getting similar to the World Cup in soccer now. You need to, uh, all these qualifiers happen way ahead of schedule. So this will be in Sydney this coming January. Uh, As I said, February 11 to 14, uh, the World Baseball Classic qualifiers, the Australia, New Zealand, South Africa and the Philippines. That's all we've got for today. But uh, thanks very much, uh, Xavier, for jumping in today. Anytime, Fredo. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Of course, JC's probably still uh, roaming the streets. Not exactly sure where he is, but we'll track him down. But thanks very much for for listening this week. Uh, This is SEN's MLB Podcast. Thanks for listening to the SEN MLB Podcast. For more SEN America podcasts, head to sen.com.au. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America.